You are listening to Original Remake. This is a podcast where we discuss and compare original film and its remake. Or sometimes films with similar concepts, because just like Hollywood, we are that unoriginal. So this being a movie podcast, uh, yeah, let's get to it. Welcome back to another episode of Original Remake. And I am Peter, and uh, with me as always is Chris Kringle, Michael Dennison. How you doing, sir? <laughs> Not quite there yet, I don't think. I haven't packed on the pounds. Don't you, have have beard. The, uh, you have the beard going. Yeah, yeah, not as much, uh, you know, white in it just yet. Getting there, though. Getting old. You're kind of like the uh, Tim Allen before he becomes Santa Claus. I don't know if I appreciate that comparison. <laughs> I mean, me and Tim Allen kind of disagree, I guess, politically, but uh, sure. Was never a huge home improvement guy, but I'll take it. Santa Claus is all right. Oh, We've I not have... done Santa Claus for this show. We haven't. Uh, and the reason I brought up that reference was because uh, I put the Santa Claus on for the kids last night, actually, and they enjoyed it. So it's kind of been nice um, introducing, you know, the, the kids, uh, whether they're mine or not, you know, just throwing on a classic, you know, and, and then actually enjoying it. Um, during Thanksgiving, there was a friend of the family uh, who has a daughter, I believe she was either 14 or 15, somewhere uh, thereabouts. And uh, I put on our, you know, you know, our favorite birthday movie, right? Liar, Liar. Right. We, we've talked about that on that a previous is, yeah. episode. Yeah. So I put on Liar Liar and, uh, she had never seen it and she enjoyed it. And I put on the mask and actually I put on the mask first and she's like, who, who's that guy? I go, Jim Carrey. And she's like, okay, it looked like him, but he looked really young. And so, uh, she enjoyed both the mask and Liar Liar. So I'm, I'm glad that some of these movies still hold up for like the new generation. Does it make you feel old though? A little bit. <laughs> okay, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, I, I feel like everybody kept on like talking about Cameron Diaz in that movie too. You know, and they're like, "Oh, she doesn't look like that anymore." I'm like, well, she was also like what early twenties in that movie. Um, I have very distinct memories of that Cameron Diaz performance. Yeah, coming of age moment for me. Sure, sure. <laughs> Leave it that. <laughs> So, um, you know, uh, eventually we'll do birthday movies, you know, as we have often teased uh, here at the show. Uh, but today we're going to talk about uh, a, a couple classics, actually, uh, mo- a modern classic. I don't know if you'd call that one the, uh, the modern classic, the, the remake. But the original movie is A Miracle on 34th Street. This one came out in 1947. Uh, this was actually written and directed by a George Seaton. Uh, it won a few Academy Awards, actually. Very surprising because I had never seen either movies in its entirety. More, uh, the, the remake, I've seen bits and pieces, you know, just throughout the years. I've, I've never really hmm. sat down and watched it. I'm, that I'm, surprised me. Yeah. I thought you would have at least seen the, uh, the remake in full because that was, that was sort of in your, uh, podstalgic wheelhouse, maybe at the tail end of it with the early nineties. It really is. I mean, 94. I mean, I was only, well, we're we're the, we're about the same age, so you know this is still what I was eleven yeah, I was, years old. I was twelve, and I had just uh, been introduced to Cameron Diaz that summer, so I was a man <laughs> at that point. That's, no time for this. That's, that's you know what that's that's my excuse too. You know, <laughs> same year as the mask, and so that's why I missed out. I don't know. It could have been like you know we got the you know the little girl that was also in. Mrs. Doubtfire. M- Mrs. Doubtfire. She was also Matilda. I don't know which came first. Mara, this- Mara Wilson, who's, uh, did Matilda come out first? On, I think, no, Matilda came, I think that was 95 or 96. I okay. think it was after this. It, that could have been it. You know, maybe I was, you know, uh, thinking I was cool, like, oh, little girl from Mrs. Doubtfire. I don't know. I, I don't know what it was. It's just, <laughs> you're it's- such an elitist, <laughs> the young age. <laughs> it is just one that I missed, um, kind of growing up. Like, I don't remember sitting there and just watching this all the way through. But the original movie, it won, uh, best actor, uh, uh for supporting role that was, Edmund uh, Gwen, who plays Chris Kringle, and it also uh, won for Best Writing and Best Screenplay. And it's very interesting because I was watching the movie, and I'm like, man, this is a well-written movie. So to my surprise that, yeah, it, it actually did win. Uh, in this story, we have a man who claims to be Chris Kringle, and uh, we have a trial to prove whether he is or not. And that's pretty much it. It's pretty simple really um it's i would say it's mainly about this um you know mother and daughter uh who are again to my surprise natalie wood playing uh, little susan and uh her mom uh doris uh played by maureen o'hara and we also have uh john payne playing fred which is what what is he the boyfriend 
want to be boyfriend maybe want to for be. most of the, most of the runtime. He he has a crush that's not necessarily reciprocated. Right, and so a little bit different from from the remake. Uh, and anybody else? Uh, I think worth mentioning in, in this. I, I think that's. <laughs> I don't want to be too judgmental of these nineteen uh, forties actors, but I would say looking through the cast list, I think that those are probably the three that people will be like, "Oh, I know who that is." The other ones are uh, probably more character actors, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought we might have uh, done a Natalie Wood movie before, but I guess not. You know, uh, but so here we are, very first. Uh, not that, here. not that classy. You know, whatever Natalie Wood has done in her filmography, uh, it's behind in the queue to Liar Liar, and I don't <laughs> have a problem with that necessarily. I'm a big fan of Liar Liar, so we'll get to that one eventually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're uh, again one of our favorite uh, birthday movies. So the 1994 remake, which I kind of agree with your. I guess, intro that I think to some degree this is a Christmas classic or has been elevated to that point. I, I don't know if it um, still has any sort of ill will, maybe when it initially came out. I read some interesting trivia that 20th Century Fox, when they released this, uh, because I guess there was some trepidation about trampling over like a beloved holiday classic with a remake that they would uh, offer anyone their money back they wanted. And according to IMDb, 1,500 people took them up on that offer which is not that many if you're talking about the entire country no so, yeah uh could have had a free movie there also like you i think i've only seen bits and bits and pieces of this one until this uh recording of course and i think i think it's just been on tv and i think when i was a kid i would watch certain scenes because there were certain moments that I actually um and not to jump to the end, but the then God we trust moment with a dollar bill. I yeah. remember that scene. Me too. So I don't I don't know if I've just seen that clip or if I had just watched the ending of this on television as a child and just sort of forgotten it. But here we have um, Elizabeth Perkins playing Dory Walker, which is the mother who doesn't work for Macy's this time, because Macy's would not allow their store name to be used like they did in the original. And they, they maybe, work for maybe they're part of that fifteen hundred people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe the reason I read, which uh, I don't know if I necessarily buy into, was that the original was a classic and like there's no need for a remake. But apparently, they were going through some financial problems at the time, and in the plot of this film, the store is going through some financial problems, and there's a competitor that may take them over, which is not in the original. Right? They're just two different stores. There's I don't think there's any sort of like. You know, stockroom dealings to try to take over the other place. No, no, that's that's where the the remake's a little bit different. They tried to make an actual villain in the story. Yeah, wasn't so much a fan of that, nor was I a fan of poor <laughs> Dylan McDermott here, which, as you also allude to, he's playing this time the uh, boyfriend or I guess friend with benefits. Uh, Brian Bedford is the sort of positive mentor to Elizabeth Perkins' daughter, played by uh, the lovable rascal from Mrs. Doubtfire, Miss Wilson. Um, but I think their relationship has a little bit of a harsher edge in this one. If, uh, there, there's, a, <laughs> there's a pretty brutal uh, early Christmas present scene where he proposes and gets shot down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was watching uh, this with my wife last night as she was actually um, – putting on putting up ornaments on our Christmas tree and the, the, the sort of the level of cringe there um, may want to, they may want to rethink that for this holiday classic. Cause it didn't have the holiday feel there. Like there's a, there's a lot of awkward sort of sitcom moments in this one. Um, basically with Chris Kringle here by played by Richard uh, Attenborough, I think it's pretty much the same, maybe a little more magical than the other one. Like uh, the the other in the original, you could say maybe he's just like a good guy, and this one, uh, there's definitely clues and hints that he no he actually is Santa because he has he has knowledge of people's homes like having been in their homes before stuff that a normal person wouldn't know. Uh, but I think as far as the actual plot, very similar. There's a drunk Santa at the beginning uh, going into the not Macy's Day Parade in this one, and he steps in, then becomes the Santa for the, the season, and uh, I guess just charms the customers and charms the city. And eventually he's put on trial for being Santa or not being Santa. 
Yeah, you know, with the you you mentioned that the remake being a little bit more magical, um, I do like those little little touches. I, I feel that they even try to kind of make the audience, maybe not everybody, but I, I think kind of question too, like is he ill? You know, because I didn't get that with the original movie. I think what were what I felt about the original movie, like that's. He's a nice guy. Like, I, maybe he's just Santa, you know, and he's just extremely nice. But with the remake, I feel like, yeah, he knows all these things, but like, is he ill where he's like making really good guesses? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think we're, we're really doubting that he's Santa, but I think they try to kind of play up the mental illness, you know? Mm. Uh, I, it is. Are you uncomfortable with the, uh, the privacy violations of the, the modern Santa, the 1994 version? No, no, no. I, I mean, it's also written by John Hughes, which I, I also didn't know. And maybe that's also why we have like a villain in here, you know, kind of like in Home Alone, we have right, Harry right. and Marv, you know, so yeah, the, uh, Joss Auckland, who was actually uncredited, but very recognizable for, you know, these type of family movies. Um, you know, he plays this guy who wants to, what was he? He wants to buy out Coles, right? Which, right. which is kind of funny too. Like, I mean, I know it's spelled differently, but there's a, Another, um, what, what is that type of store called? Department store? Department store. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Is there like a, uh, is there a villainous Santa character named Cole? Is there like a Krumpus? Like, I feel like there, is there something in the Santa mythology that's, cause I know that there's Cole in your stocking, but is there an actual character? I thought that's what they were going for with that. Oh, with that name. I, I have no idea. Actually, I, I was about, I was about to tie it up to Cole, you know, like the, in stocking is what, what you just said. But no, I have, I have no idea if he's an actual character. I mean, there's a, uh, an antagonist, you can call him, uh, named Cole in Cobra Kai. You know, I, I brought, I brought that up before. So <laughs> maybe that's what they were going with, you know, a little, I think you're saying that so you can just hashtag this Cobra Kai and bring over your your many fans. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's very different. We don't really have a Johnny and Daniel here uh, in the story. Um, just old white dudes <laughs> arguing over another old white dude. <laughs> That's pretty much it. So with this one, because we have Coles, uh, which are kind of like the competing uh, department store. They're more tied to like the, the drunk Santa, right? They kind of hire him to kind of go and provoke, you know, Chris Kringle to bop him over the head with a cane and. They call him a pedophile. He accuses him of molesting children, which is a little, a little dark. John Hughes. A little bit of a darker edge. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, that, that makes a lot more sense now. When I, you know, saw that uh, he had written the movie, I go, okay, you know, cause he has touches like that in all of his movies, but yeah, yeah, it, Definitely different. Obviously, I prefer the original's take on on kind of how that went down. Umbrella, you know, not as violent as a cane. <laughs> I don't think. No, I mean, the guy was certainly uh, asking for it, but uh, I did, <laughs> I did, I did wonder that if if name calling is all it takes for the Santa, like how far could you push him? <laughs> because in, there's there's a little bit. It's it's interesting, like how Santa gets put on trial like you would totally understand the controversy of the newer one right like mm-hmm. you could see the newspaper the sort of tabloid journalism headline that like uh, macy santa or cole santa <laughs> hits man in the face with his cane and especially if there was if he was set up like he is in this movie where there's a crowd around where there's like photographers but the original because uh, i watched the original one last week and then uh, last night was watching this one again and so the original, it's just like a sort of a handshake handshake agreement he makes with Macy's to basically get himself, I guess, psychologically evaluated. Mm-hmm. It makes a little more sense because you can understand like a business wanting to cover themselves because <laughs> like on his application, you know, he's Chris Kringle. You know, where does he reside? Like he is totally like playing up the part. So if you put that in a, a modern lens, certainly you could understand a store. First off, they wouldn't hire him. But second – if they did, like in 1947, they would probably want to know, is he just d- doing really well at his job or does he actually believe he's Santa? And I think that works better in the original as far as the like court case. Right. This one, I don't know, it comes across as really petty. I, I don't think I really like the, the villainous aspect of the newer one like at all. I, I think it's like kind of overly complicated for yeah. what the, like the simplicity of the original film. You don't need it. You don't need it at all. 
when uh, Victor Landberg here, when he was introduced, you know, I, again, usually he's kind of known to be the, oh, I know him uh, as the bad guy, like Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. He's played some, you know, um, good roles like on Mighty Ducks and uh, the kid at King Arthur's Court, but you hire him to be the bad guy, I, I feel, <laughs> you know, sometimes. I feel bad for his, his family at Christmas. The old dad is, his, he's got the voice of the bad guy, always. I don't know. There's something about it that makes it a little less wholesome. But I, I think because I watched both movies back to back and I did start with the original and that's a lot more, you know, pretty straightforward and there's really nothing complicated uh, in the storytelling. Uh, they do a lot of, um, eh, maybe not a lot, but they do some pretty big things differently. You touched on like the evaluations, which he does go through um, at least a couple times. Now, what do you think about the relationship between, you know, Fred and Doris and then uh, Dory and Brian? Well, I, I hate Dory and Brian as a couple. Like, I don't. You don't buy it. <laughs> don't buy it. Because um, my wife was actually sort of scoffing at it during that, that uh, proposal rejection scene <laughs> where he has something, and uh, I'm paraphrasing here, um, if we can find a clip, which I, I don't know. If there's going to be someone like really dropping YouTube clips of very specific moments from this scene that doesn't involve like Santa or a cute child, but he says something like, "Like I've done everything like for you, basically to like be a positive influence on you." Like um, he's taken on like sort of an adoptive sort of father role to her child, uh, helped her at work, you know, helped her with any, any problem she's having. He's he's basically being supportive, right? Mm-hmm. And he has a line that's like, and I've received nothing in return. And it was my wife that's like, uh, maybe you don't propose to this person then. <laughs> like, why? Like, it makes you question Brian. Like, so what exactly? If you if your assessment is I've received nothing from this relationship, like no warmth, no love, why are you proposing? And I really think the film does a pretty good job of showing us the whole time. Yeah, they shouldn't. Like, why is this dude into her? What What is it about it? Whereas in the original... I felt like because of the time period, like uh, a single mother who's like succeeding, she has like a very you know high paying job. She's running the Macy's Day Parade um, at that time, probably running that business. That department store was more financially viable than what had been in the nineties. I can kind of understand her being somewhat aloof or cold because she just seems like she's under pressure, like she's just trying to make her life work with her daughter. This one. I don't know. I, I don't. I, I don't. I just don't buy it. I guess I don't buy the chemistry in the original one. I feel like she's a little bit more. There's some hidden warmth there. Like underneath all the stresses, I could see that being a person that, um, in the best of circumstances, she's not going to be like a robot. I can't say that about the newer one. The newer, even even when they eventually get together, I still that I would look at that if this if Dylan McDermott was my buddy, I would just. I'd be telling him, dude, you gotta get out of this. Like, <laughs> you know, visit the child, tell her to believe in Santa. But what are, what are you doing with your life? Yeah, there's there's parts of him I like. I like you know uh, his moments with Susan. Uh, I kind of question his. Um, I don't know. if We want to jump to the the trial yet because there's still some some other things. You know, there, there's a lot of similar beats too. Like you know when Fred and Brian take Susan to go see um, you know Chris Kringle. There, there's that, and then even the um the 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 lady that Chris Kringle tells about like a, a competing department store where they can get a, a discount or another toy cheaper, you know. So I like all all of the, the those beats are are still very similar, but when it comes to being an attorney, I don't think Brian is as good as Fred. I think Fred actually does his due diligence and actually does some actual work. I feel like Brian is just kind of lucky. And if he, like, jumping to the end a little bit, if he had not gone to see the judge, I don't know if he would have come up with, like, <laughs> you know, uh, the how he ended up winning ultimately. You know what I mean? Like, he just got lucky got the there. money clip. The yeah. money clip of ones, <laughs> which makes me think Brian is getting satisfaction elsewhere. Elsewhere there, when he he's not getting the warmth at home, he's he's probably going to a gentleman's club with all the ones he had there. That, that could be. Um, it. I yeah, I didn't like that aspect of it because he in I guess like both versions of it, you kind of understand because there's a small child why he's like caring that much because it, if he has this relationship with this woman and her daughter. 
he probably feels some way about this little person being way too adult. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, there is no Santa. Um, you know, there's there's certainly a precociousness to the characters as far as both kids are funny at times, but it's they're funny because they're like 45 years old in the body of like a five year old, like their reactions to things. So I understand someone wanting a child to like be able to enjoy Christmas and enjoy being a kid as opposed to like being so cold and sort of calculating. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you in the in the remake, the judge basically tells him like you need a miracle. And I I like the well I figured you would be all over the original as far as the, like the sort of winning <laughs> argument, <laughs> given being that it's the you know it's the the postman it's like Kevin Costner storms in like on his horse and is like saves the day it's like the postal service being ends up being like sort of the key piece of evidence because there's thousands of them letters to Santa which I also think works better with it being a holiday film. I like incorporating the letters to Santa as evidence, this belief in something and the, the inability of, sorry, I guess the prosecutors to prove without doubt that there is no Santa. I, I don't mind the dollar bill argument, but it gives way more leeway to the judge. Like, and I really like this, this actor that plays the judge in the newer one. Mm-hmm. Um, what is his name? Uh, Robert. Robert Prosky. Uh, he, he was also Mrs. Alfire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the the, the kind hearted uh, boss for Robin Williams in that one that mm-hmm. sees something in him that could appeal to children, and he is he is a good like face like unlike Joss the Ackard. villain, <laughs> yeah, he could either way you could see him being someone that is no nonsense, but he also plays that he's he's open to like basically hearing your argument like you know he's, and I think that's different from the original right the original one it's like the public is what changes the judge's mind because it becomes like, you know, New York city is putting Santa on trial. And here it seems like it's more, I don't feel like the judge is pressured to make that decision. He just makes it on his own. Sort of that last minute dollar bill argument. And he's got, he's got a good speech, but I much prefer the letters to Santa as like sort of the winning bit than that uh, dollar bill thing. The in God we trust argument. Yeah, I, I kind of like them both, but I do prefer the original better. I, again, not having seen the original movie, when when Fred, you know, has like letters of Dear Santa mail, you know, come in. I'm like, whoa, whoa, what? Post office? I, I thought it was money. <laughs> I thought it was supposed to be money that, uh, you know, God we trust. So I, they completely changed that. And again, that kind of like uh, undermines his, you know, uh, Brian's skills as an attorney. Like, you know, he, he got his miracle. You know, he, he really did nothing. Um, and I, uses the little girl. He doesn't even like. I thought right. he's going to make the argument. I thought he's going to yeah. hold up this dollar bill and and you know make the same points. But he lets the judge make the points for him. Which I mean, I guess in the movie world he wins. But yeah, he doesn't do the work. He just uses props. He's like carrot top yeah. of attorneys. He's terrible. <laughs> what a what a comparison, carrot top. I, wow. Poor Dylan McDermott. He's far more handsome than that. But <laughs> he is. I really loved him in um, Stalkers too, which only lasted one season. And he was also um, he had a very brief cameo in Runaway Jury, uh, also a uh, movie I, I enjoy. Um, the, the props thing. Yeah, it, for me, it was less, no, I don't want to say less impactful because I think in the modern remake, it still works. You know, I, I, I feel there's an audience that still likes that. And maybe John Hughes was like, ah, who, who sends letters out anymore? It's 1994, man. Like people understand money, you know? And so I don't know. <laughs> maybe that's why he did In God We Trust. Or maybe Spoken he spoken like a true villain. People understand money. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps he was at, at the gentleman's club one day and slid a dollar <laughs> and just looked down in God We Trust and he had an idea. Um, but no, I, I, I feel like, you know, it's a little bit more dramatic with the whole post office thing. And, you know, um, but, you know, just working at the post office, you know, this is stuff that we do collect. You know, we don't get a lot of them. It could be like, you know, um, neighborhood specific, but we do often collect, uh, Dear Santa letters, you know, with stamps on them. We pick that up. We send it off to these places, you know, where they have volunteers that will take these letters and, you know, try to get these kids what they ask for, you know, and mail it out. So there, that, that does exist. Really so cool. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I like that and that kind of continues on. And so I, I really don't know why the change. I mean, does it, does it work for you though? Is it effective? You know, the whole dollar? I mean, it, it sounded like it did. It would have if Brian makes the argument, if it's yeah. his speech, not the judges. 
And I didn't understand that. They probably knew Susan because she's coming off of, you know, Mrs. Doubtfire. You know, she was, right. she was, you know, she was great in there too. And maybe that's what it is, but I, I think it should have been Brian's thing. Yeah. Uh, you basically go from, you know, many anonymous children in the original, just seeing them dump their letters. Yeah. To that girl you liked, Mrs. Doubtfire. She gets the big showy moment. She gets the, you know, it, it's supposed to be, I guess, her arc. More so than, yeah. In the original one, it's more, far more balanced, right? Like you see, you see Santa doubt himself, um, and you see this, this, uh, this. Okay, let's. Let, well, actually, <laughs> I'm going to doubt Santa right now because we've we've kind of skipped over something that I I feel a little strange about the romance in the newer one. Okay. Because so what in both versions, what this little girl's asking for is a family for Christmas. That's and a home. A home, which I also questioned my wife. I'm like, wow, where are they living in the city? Like, I know it's just an apartment, but how, how many millions of dollars does that place cost? Like, it looks like they're living pretty well. Like, well, she, she got a bonus. You know, that's uh, the, the <laughs> yeah. bonus paid for it, fully furnished and everything. I, I did not understand yeah. that. Yeah, with all sorts of, you know, Christmas ornaments. I, I'm in furnished. the wrong line of work. You know, I need to do what she's doing and get the bonuses. Well, in 1947, you were in the right line of work and you <laughs> saved the day. Yes. Um, your stripper money with glitter on it saves the day. <laughs> <laughs> this is a strange Christmas episode for us. We keep going back to the gentlemen's clubs. But, okay, so here in the newer one, uh, she still gets her house. Uh, it's sort of an awkward transition because – they they are set up in the original, right? Where mm-hmm. they're gonna go look. They're looking at this house because they've been told to go go there. Right? Like they're not going there with the intention of like buying a house. But they kind of my same problem with Brian not making the argument. In the newer one in the original, this couple put it together like, hey, you know, maybe maybe we should maybe maybe we shouldn't just rely on Santa Claus, this mythical being, to provide everything we want like maybe it's kind of on us too like we have something here we have a connection maybe we should make a family together because we're we're sort of meant to be and the newer one they're set up this couple to go to a church and this is after the rejected marriage proposal both of them are told to meet there and there's already a priest on hand and he's been given the engagement ring that curiously Brian just after his rejection he just gave to Santa and said just give this to someone right <laughs> these people <laughs> I, I, I had a problem with that money. scene they Look, were burning money he said he wanted to know how it felt to return a ring and he didn't do it he just gave it to Chris Kringle <laughs> it didn't make any sense to me I, I think Brian was lying to us with that that uh, roll of ones he's, he's got a roll of hundreds here <laughs> that he's just like here Kringle strange man take this ring just give it to someone drop it in a box somewhere so they're set up to get married. They go along with it. And so this is on Christmas Eve. Christmas morning, the little girl wakes up to some presents that she doesn't bother opening because she sees her mom's huge uh, diamond ring, like the like lighting up like the ceiling, the floor, the Christmas tree, the ornaments. And she turns around, and <laughs> her mom got laid last night. That's her that's her Christmas present. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be in this moment. I wouldn't necessarily be that coarse because it's like, you know, they're, they're wearing pajamas. They got married, whatever, but you assume that they consummated the relationship. Yeah. But then the movie doubles down at the very end when they go to this house, it's like you have a coworker there. That's like, Hey, got a Christmas bonus. So it's all taken care of. And I'm probably like you not being a child. I'm trying to like, go through like i have so many questions about what's happening like what do you mean like did the store gift you this property are you just saying you have a bonus now and you should like you have the the means to afford this place but the little girl runs in they go in they're like maybe we, yeah we're we're gonna we're gonna do this like we believe in christmas and the little girl says that you know i've got a dad now brian because you married into this family i got a house but there's a third thing third thing but i guess i'll have to wait on it but oh well and they, they have one last little zinger where they're like, what's the third thing? She, a little brother. And immediately the, the parents, they look at, I guess, soon-to-be mom's stomach that she's now pregnant, that they, they've made a child the night for. Kind of creepy. This this whole thing is a little – it's a little much. Santa – I was talking about privacy rights earlier. This is this is a little bit too magical. Santa's got his hands all over it, and I, I'm not totally comfortable with it. Uh, quite literally, per- perhaps. I, I don't know. He <laughs> – 
he had a hand in everything here, it sounds like. Uh, you know, being a homeowner and when I saw that they got this house fully furnished with the bonuses and such, I'm thinking, you know, I think about those shows. Um, I, I don't know any of the titles specifically, but you, you know, you see those shows where a family loses their home and then like, whatever show or, you know, uh, people help them get a brand new home and all that. Some of those people, they they don't end up keeping those homes because they can't afford it. Like, that, that's right. how I felt with right. this. You know, I'm like, you got it with your quote-unquote bonus. Okay, let's fine. You got a really big bonus because uh it was your idea to hire this Chris Kringle to replace the other one. Sure, we'll go with that. But working i mean what what she does for for coles is that i mean i don't know i guess brian is a lawyer but maybe they can't afford it after all but i don't know <laughs> but he's sort of a half-ass lawyer he doesn't he, <laughs> yeah, he looks right. to the judges to make his final arguments <laughs> he's asleep <laughs> and i think he's gonna hire uh you know susan here to help him out um the other thing is i i felt like i got a bit of um i don't know his home loan one or home loan two vibe but you know the at, at the end where where Kevin McAllister wakes up and he thinks he's home alone, but you know his his parents and family is all there. You know, just kind of that magical revelation, like oh, you know, you guys are here or something. I don't know. It, it was very like everything's been taken care of. Yes, already. you, you yeah. wake up to it. Yeah, you know, I mean, again, the parents come down and Susan's looking at the reflection of the ring just blinging all over the place. I feel like her mom was probably, you know, messing with her. Like how, <laughs> you know, she's just following this glowing light all over the tree and such and then notices the ring on her mom's finger. I feel like her mom was kind of like, hey, check out this big rock. <laughs> yeah, the um, <laughs> the fact that you're using something that's presumably really expensive to get across that point, like... That that could be a nice moment, right? Like maybe the daughter is just wishing for her mom to like not carry as much of the burden or concern for her or their well-being and <clears throat> have someone that she can love. That's a, like, a nice Christmas sentiment. <laughs> I think it's sort of distracting that the way you get across that message is you just, as you said, you have a huge rock waiting us to it, like in <laughs> a close-up on her. Like, I don't know. It, it feels It feels a little, you know. I mean, it actually is too material for the like for the point that they're trying to get across, along with the fully furnished house. Like, because in the original, it's it's just like a normal house for sale, right? It's not like there's something extra about it. Like they've not done it up like it's the Macy's Day Parade inside the house. Yeah how how else are you do you give them the house though? I mean, you can't like have them inherit something because now it's like what the Chris Kringle kill a family (laughs) (laughs) like a relative just so they can have the house fully furnished (laughs) I think he went to visit JT Walsh and said hey you take down that antenna or I'm going to stab you in your face (laughs) that is one of the moments I did like about the modern remake is JT Walsh you know and uh, his wife being put on the stand I I enjoyed that very much actually That, that was fun well, I always enjoyed J.T. Walsh um, and really enjoyed his, his, <laughs> his entire guy. career. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, here he's uh, – at least he's got shades of, like, after he's defeated. And he says, Merry Christmas. You know, he's, he's sort yeah. of puzzled. He's puzzled on how the court has decided that this guy that just says he's Santa Claus is, in fact, Santa Claus. But he's sort of just like, well, it's not my problem anymore. Whatever. Like, and I enjoyed that that sort of turn with his, his character. But – uh, overall, and this is kind of surprising me because when you suggested this, even having seen clips, I guess, or seen part of the remake, I I was sort of concerned about watching the original because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh goodness, we're going back, you know, to the the golden era here, and eh, it's a Christmas movie, and it may feel a little too luxury, and I, I don't know, like it, I don't I don't go into these type of things with a lot of confidence, but I was actually surprised at how much I enjoyed watching. The original, and I did watch yeah. the original first uh, this time around, um, and then went back to the the newer one, which unfortunately I'd seen parts of before. But I felt like it was actually the newer one that comes across as more lecturing. Yeah, but they don't seem the characters don't seem like as valid to me as the other ones. I don't. There's just more agency in the original. The original one that the the people sort of you know they they are pushed along by this Chris King Chris. Kringle character, but any issues they have, they sort of solve themselves. They just are given like some guidance and then they take the initiative 
and try to make themselves and their close ones happy. This one is just way too easy, way too easy and just way too creepy on how it all falls together. There's some nice moments in this, but I think it's just a little too big. Like most remakes, I think they just try to make it like even the introduction of the Santa at the beginning, like we see his ass crack and him like stumbling around, like breaking stuff drunk and like belching. And I don't know. I, I think I just like the original that the, um, you know, the woman running it, that she just comes up and she's like, Oh, you're obviously drunk. You can't be Santa. That's it. Yeah. There's no, there's nothing, there's no big stunt, no big pratfall. She just takes it upon herself to say, Hey, this, I'm going to be a professional here. Um, was not a fan of the remake, Peter did not, but I'm glad that we did this. Cause I probably will put the original in my, uh, Holiday classics or oh, a queue. Very nice. Going forward. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's my gift to you. Merry Christmas. <laughs> that's, that's some gift. I mean, you know, <laughs> a, a, a big uh, diamond or a house or something fully furnished. I'm not uh, a lawyer. You. Sorry. I mean, well, I can give you a $1 Brian, bill. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I, it sounds like we do. Um, I, I guess I didn't explicitly say it, but I do prefer much prefer the original over the remake. Um, I think this is uh, kind of like an example of like when we talked uh, when we reviewed Father of the Bride. You know how there was a really big gap between the uh, original movie, which I I believe came out in 1950 if i remember correctly right i mean yeah, it, it was yeah. it was a good amount of time in, in between and um i understand it's 1500 people you know i i that's not a big number at all that uh, didn't enjoy and so i i can see obviously why the original uh was remade uh you got the academy awards it's it's a great story you know, just some of the changes that they made. Um, I don't know. They, maybe it was the change of time and they thought it was necessary and maybe it worked in 1994. You know, I, both you and I, we mentioned that the, uh, this was a movie that we didn't really see it in its entirety. So I would be curious to hear from somebody who did grow up loving this, this version of it. And I'm, I'm okay that there's a remake. I'm not going to say that this didn't deserve to be remade because again, who's going to dig up the 1947 version just to watch it for the Christmas holidays? I, I feel it has to be introduced to you. Nobody really just go out and, yeah. and look for those movies. So yeah, even me as a big movie guy, you sort of forced me into it, forced <laughs> me to finally get around to it. It's like, Hey, we, we need to do an episode. It's been months. <laughs> um, but uh yeah well, you know if people enjoyed the you know the christmas theme we'll, we'll have uh, another one on its way you know 2018 was a very busy year for the two of us but you know we well, both of us we didn't have uh you know houses just gifted us we both moved <laughs> it, it was not you know there was a normal moving process we had to do it the old that. fashioned way brian yeah. <laughs> you know we had to get it ourselves. <laughs> exactly so. uh but yeah okay um now do you do we want to remake this ourselves we we still do that well i wondered um i don't i don't know if you can can you do this in a modern setting can you do this with modern technology like what i'm already sort of complaining about how uh, mar wilson's like extremely jaded like that's the point of our character right to like come back to childhood and christmas yeah as a father do you think like kids with their you know iphones or whatever would they just be too informed like is this too silly of a premise now for them like are all kids gonna be to some degree jaded when it comes to this i was uh recently a, uh, a guest on uh, everything i learned from movies and we played a game you know where we kind of remade big trouble little china and in there, yeah, uh, w- one of the things that they do is like a, like a wild card. You know, you, you can decide whatever you want to do. And for me, I changed the, the setting, uh, of the movie. Like I didn't make it modern time. I, uh, I, I changed it from little China in California to, you know, Shanghai, China, 1988. And specifically because I didn't want any technology in my movie. I didn't want cell phones and stuff like that. Mm. If I were to remake A Miracle on 34th Street, I don't know how much of a period it would be, but I would take it back a little bit or at least, um, you know, kind of limit the use of in, uh, you know, technology, phones and stuff, you know, to kind of what you're saying. But yeah, I don't know how you do that because you see people so attached to their phones. So yeah, I guess it would have to be, you know, kind of a, um, you know, a, a period piece, even if it was back to like the mid nineties. Uh, I, I don't see a problem in that. It's just, there, there's something about that that just feels very, oh, you know, I, I don't know, organic and just, 
I, I miss the times, you know, those times before the social media and, and everything that we're just glued to now in our hand, with our hands. Um, you, you know, this is going to be a really wild Chris Kringle, uh, just cause I, I honestly, I didn't put too much thought into it, but I wanted somebody who is a little crazy, a little crazy who you wouldn't believe to be Santa Claus. Uh, so I'm going to go with William Shatner. For, oh, okay. For my Santa right. Claus. I don't know if you can see it and, and maybe why I went with that. Um, you know, the, the mother, I wasn't high on Elizabeth Perkins as Dory. Um, I thought she was bad. Yeah. You, and that's probably the direction because she's, she's been far more charming in other performances. I think they were telling her to be as cold as possible and she accomplishes that. Well, yeah, I, I enjoyed her very much in Big, which I uh, reviewed on, sure. you know, yeah. Podstalgic with Phoenix, my son, you know, who, you know, who's a teenager now, 18, moved out of the house. Um, for the role of Dory, uh, I'm, I'm going to change it back to Doris because we got Finding yeah. Dory and I don't want, you know, kids Ugh. to mistake, you know, the two movies. I'm going to go with, uh, one of my uh, personal favorites, uh, Rachel McAdams. You know, I'm, I'm going to okay. have her and, um, you know, for the the person of Brian, I'm going to call him Fred, uh, just because I want to, you know, separate, you know, what people remember from this Brian character here. Uh, someone who is an, um, I don't think anybody would think of this guy when you think of lawyer, but I want to see him more in, yeah, I don't think I've seen him in very much rom-coms and I'd like to see him play a little bit straight, but I'm going to go with Chris Pratt, uh, for Fred. You're going with a much, uh, higher caliber of cast than I am as far as budgetary I'm concerns. trying to make a good movie here. <laughs> you know, instead of putting all the money into the house, I'm going to put it into my actors. Uh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a Susan because, I mean, Susan in the... Um, I mean, they're both like, what, six years old? Okay, I'm gl- I don't either because yeah. I didn't want to come across as creepy. Like, I'm scouting out six-year-old. Exactly. So, I don't, I don't have a six-year-old. You know, we're going to go with an unknown so they're not tied sure. to like, you know, movies like Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, so here's uh, my theory. I'm starting with an actress that's actually in the 1994 version. And as I was watching it, uh, I thought, you know, not to harp too much on poor Elizabeth Perkins, but I thought, oh, I wish she was playing Dory. I didn't like you. I would, I would change that to Doris or just anything else, just not Dory. Uh, I'm going to go with Allison Janney oh, from okay. yeah, yeah, West Wing yeah. and just coming off an Oscar win uh, last year for I, Tonya. And she is playing, I believe she's playing the, the woman who relays to management, hey, yeah. your Santa is telling me to go to another store. But, it, you know, it turns around just like it does in the original, which the original actress was in uh, Rear Window. I don't remember her name, but I remember her being oh. the sort of nurse for Jimmy Stewart because I remembered that voice. Okay. Um, so apparently, the whoever, if you, in the, my version or your version, if it's remade again, if you're going to play woman in Christmas shop, which is what Allison Janney's credit is, you're going to end up being a big star and you're going to win an Oscar because <laughs> apparently that's the part to play. But I want her to play the lead because I feel like if she's cold and calculating, it would still come across as fun. Like, cause she, she can, she can play, she played Nitanya, horrific mother who did not have a good relationship at all. And she was still the most entertaining part of the movie. Uh, I'm going to have her and I'm going to keep it a West Wing uh, reunion. So I'm going to have Bradley Whitford. Oh. Actually, I'll toss you Bradley Whitford, or I guess we could go, we could do Rob Lowe. We could do either one of those as the attorney because they both played attorneys. So they could play the, you know, the leading man trying to to pursue Allison Janney. Which which one do you prefer? This is crazy because when I was thinking um you know remakes Bradley Whitford came to my mind for the role of oh, Brian okay. slash Fred. It's, it's really All crazy. Right, so we've got a winner. The, the 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 thing for me was like um uh, these these uh both characters are much older, you know, than the ones I casted. Do you think like I mean I think it would still be a great you, you I think for a cast like that thus far, I know you haven't mentioned a Chris Kringle, but I think you're going to have to get like a really charming, like six year old, um, Susan, because I don't know if there's going to be like little kids coming to watch, you know, Allison, Janney and Bradley Whitford. You what know, are you talking parents. about? I'm sure they've got West Wing on Nickelodeon <laughs> on repeat now. I'm sure. I'm I sure. love I love Bradley Whitford and Get Out. I'm going to go watch him in that remake. Exactly. Of Miracle 34th Street. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, mine may skew uh, older. 
Uh, I think you know where I'm going to go with Santa. I'm going to go with Martin Sheen. I'm going to go with the president. Uh, oh, oh the why Wing. not? Why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the best so, uh, official presidents ever. So I've got Aaron Sorkin writing and directing, and maybe this is a much more adult. Maybe there's more banter, a little more back and forth. More, uh, more maybe we, we, club? we. I'm going to stay away from that. I'm going to keep those dirty one dollar bills out of mine. Uh, I don't know, and I guess you could also age up the girl too. Maybe you want to make her like uh, someone who is not being told she should believe in Santa, but maybe she just wants her mom to be happy finally, and she sort of just goes along with it. Perhaps that she is a jaded teenager. Um, mm-hmm. Perhaps it's not so much that her mother raised her to not believe in Santa, but she has lost faith because of, you know, her relationship with her mother has changed since their father dying, you know, something yeah. like that. Um, I would like a more truer remake and bring back the post office too, you know, because I just, you know, I'm not a biased there. I just really liked the idea of that. And I get what they were going with, like, thing God we trust on, like, the dollar bill, but uh, I, I didn't think it was impactful as the original movie. Well, you know, we're going to bring back the uh, post office in our next episode, our next Christmas episode. <laughs> yes, I, and I don't think you've watched them yet, but um, if you remember, we're going we're gonna to do The Grinch, the original I think 1964 cartoon. I think it's in that 66 area. 66 maybe. But okay. yeah, yeah, that one. Uh, and the 2000 Ron Howard, Jim Carrey one. And there is a uh, post office scene. There's a behind the scenes postal sequence in the Ron Howard version. Yeah, see, so that's, um, that, that, that I was being sneaky. I thought that was totally on purpose. Honestly, yeah. I watched when I watched Miracle on 34th Street. I was like, "That bastard!" I was like, "This is what this is about." He's going to talk for 20 minutes about this, and then I watched The Grinch right after. And I'm like, "Oh, okay, yeah." So we're just—it's not Christmas movies we're doing this month. It is movies about the postal service. Yeah. So coming right after that, The Postman with Kevin Costner. Exactly. You stole my joke. I was about to throw that in. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm cool with it. That'll be my Christmas present to you to allow you to just you know dedicate a whole month to this this great industry. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, people often forget about us. This is definitely the busiest month of the year. And we just had our busiest week of the year following Black Friday and Cyber Monday. So, you know, we're working all types of hours. You know, uh, because of the influx of packages and stuff, they've been starting us at 6 a.m. You know, yesterday I worked 12 hours. uh, But yesterday, my first delivery, well, pretty early on, I was not even half an hour into the route. I'm delivering at this um, apartment complex, you know, so I got a bunch of boxes open. I'm just feeding the boxes with mail. This uh, gentleman walks by and he's like, you're early. And I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like he stops and like he looks behind his shoulder. He's just like, no, I'm just. And then like he pauses and then like keeps walking. I think he kind of like figured like that was what kind of remark is that? Like I'm early. Like, do you, do you want me to be late? I, I. I don't understand. Like, we, there's no scheduled delivery times for mail. You'll get it the day of, and that's on time. <laughs> you know, it's. I have to say that having moved, um, my wife is, uh, she just commented uh, last night actually that she's happy that we just moved across town in the same city, but we were like, I guess, a very early stop, like mm. packages we delivered early in the morning. And with it being Christmas season, now we're like, we're like like late in the afternoon, like uh, almost right before like you know we get home from work. Uh, but she actually likes that. But since we're gone anyway, that means it's less time with the any gifts or anything from Amazon sitting on the porch yep, is available. Stolen. Yeah. So, so maybe maybe that guy was just you know he's just trying to check. Maybe he's not concerned with you. He's concerned with the people that live in this building or something. Yeah, we have parcel lockers, so that's not an issue. All right, I'm trying to take it. Yeah, I, I know. He's just I know an ass. <laughs> he is. I think he was. Uh, so you know, just a little tip um, for everybody for the holiday seasons. If you um, you know often order packages and you have a regular house, you know, uh, uh, put a bin or something on your porch so that way it can be hidden from the street because there are thieves out there and um, there's nothing worse than hearing about a package that you delivered that had been stolen and you know that you you know put that box there on the porch and it, it happens every year i like that i like ending with the uh, little advice yeah yeah so there we go you're actually doing your job you're not just holding giving a dollar bill to a kid and say hey take this as a judge make the case for me you know mike i don't know if i told you but originally i wanted to do like a um uh post office uh podcast where we just talk about you know customers and um there's a lot of things that people just don't know um you know, through like our operations and the things that we go through, people wonder, 
you know, oh, you're, you're late today. You, you know, why do you think that is? Do you, do you think I was, I woke up late and showed up late to work? I mean, clearly there was something else. Perhaps I did a two hour section on another route before I started my own. Uh, perhaps we got double the mail that we would typically get on that particular day. So that takes more time. So, I mean, mathematically, if you have more mail, that takes longer to deliver. And people don't realize that. And they're often like, oh, it's eight o'clock. We're just still doing it out here. And I'm thinking, you know what? I'm questioning myself the same thing. I, I really don't know why I'm still out here at eight o'clock. You've already had your dinner you with your family. Podcasting uh, with me. I said you get to work. You know, I could do that while I work, you know, the, the long hours <laughs> that I'm out on the street. I do often think that I, I, you know, what's funny is, um, I thought about like, Asking you, like, hey, you know, uh, I've, I've watched both miracle movies. Maybe, you know, I, I could just do it while I'm delivering. <laughs> you know, it, the, the thought did cross my mind. We could have done that with this being such a uh, post office theme joint that we've got paired up. But Met- method podcasting, right? We'll save it for the postman episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, where can listeners uh, get a hold of you? Uh, you, you know, again, it's been some time since we put out an episode. So, maybe something that they can gear to, uh, maybe even for the new listeners. Well, you can follow this show on social media at Original Remake on uh, Twitter or Instagram. And as for myself, I don't know if I have a a, a good. Uh, I have so many different podcasts that I'm on, like kind of like this one sparingly when when time will allow. So uh, I'll, I'll just promote one of them. And since we talked about romance, and it wasn't probably the best of romances. Uh, with at least the remake of Miracle on 34th Street, uh, you can check out The Grand Gesture, which is a movie podcast I do with uh, Dave and guests. Peter's been on it before. You were on the Titanic episode. And we look at romantic tropes in film, such as the meet-cute, the breakup, and, of course, The Grand Gesture. So you can find that show like this one on Podbean, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, or follow that account on Twitter and Instagram at Grand Gesture Pod. Yeah, for me, uh, you know, I mentioned Podstalgic, where, you know, I did review big, uh, I think it was during the summer, yeah, back in July, uh, you know, with Elizabeth Perkins. But, um, you know, uh, back in May, Cobra Kai dropped, and I do a podcast called Cobra Kai Companion, Companion spelled with a K. Uh, that's pretty much consumed a lot of my podcasting time. Uh, that's another reason why we haven't done very much original remake episodes. But uh, for Podstalgic, I've been doing a lot of new releases because they were kind of easier to go to and the instant takes are, you know, pretty simple to do. But, um, you know, if, if you guys haven't, you know, uh, check out Crazy Rich Asians. That was a, uh, for me at least, a kind of a surprise hit. I knew that the book was big. Um, I didn't know how big the movie would get. But that's my biggest episode in like years, uh, so far. But I also did like Bohemian Rhapsody, Halloween, Creed 2, you know, um, the last, uh, I think retro movie review I did was back in July, The Wraith, you know, from 1990, uh, 1986. So, um, I'm hoping in the new year, I'm going to go back to start doing uh, a lot of the older movies, but, this December, I'm gonna do some more modern classic uh, Christmas movies and some, you know, a couple, at least a couple uh, new releases. Podstalgic on Instagram and Twitter.